Well, please bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we confess that we walk in a world created by you. The mountains and valleys are yours, the sky, the sea, the fields, and all that are in them. When the sun shines its warmth and light, this too is a gift from your hand. There is nothing we have, nothing we enjoy, and nothing that we might need that doesn't come from you. God, thank you for the air we breathe, the hearts that pump blood throughout our bodies. Thank you for people made in your image and trusted with what you've made. We lift our eyes up to you, our provider, sustainer, and redeemer, and give you the highest praise for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who made it possible for us to be in a relationship with you. And we ask that you would teach us to walk as Jesus walked and serve like Jesus served and love like Jesus loved. God, I know that in this room there are those who are hurting and struggling. We intercede on their behalf, asking that you would comfort their souls. For those struggling with specific and recurring sin or sinful thought patterns, we pray for victory and help all of us to hope in you. Lord, we ask that you bless our community, providing for needs, bringing hope, encouragement, and where necessary conviction. Help us as a church to be a blessing to this community and for your name to be highly regarded among our people. And Father, now as we open your word, we ask you to open our hearts with your spirit for the glory of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, pop quiz here. Um, what is the mission of LifeSpring Community Church? Anybody? If you know it, just be loud and proud here. Okay, three words. Right again? Gospel, gather, go. It's easy to remember, it's just three words. Gospel, gather, go. Anybody remember the uh, particular vision that we have here at LifeSpring? Maybe a little harder, but it's pretty short too. We're going to multiply disciples and multiply churches. That's what we, uh, a vision is what you prefer to see in the future. Our preferred picture of the future is multiplying disciples and multiplying churches. As a church, we are committed to the message of Jesus, the community of Jesus, and the mission of Jesus, and our vision for the future is the multiplication of churches and disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, so that is the God-given vision that we see in the book of Acts and Matthew 16, 18, and other places. And uh, you probably don't know this, uh, but the EFCA, and that's the association or denomination that LifeSpring is a part of, has been uh, changing the way that it plants new churches and revitalizes other churches. Uh, we've been working together, and I've been um, on a part of that, on, on uh, training trainers of, of um, church planters. So we've been working together to train trainers of church planters, and now the most recent thing is working on regional assessment centers. So that's helping to determine who would be a good planter of churches. And, uh, and so the EFCA is working together to have these regional centers, there'd be a two-day assessment that people would be um, assessed and, uh, and, and try to do a really good job uh, for the sake of, of those being assessed and for the sake of those that they would be ministering to. So guess where the first assessment was held? Was right here at Lightspring. It was held right here at Lightspring. I was wondering if you'd like to see some pictures. Is that okay? 
I show some pictures? So uh, I'll only show you a few. You know, you ever get those pictures, someone says, you want to see pictures of my um, trip or whatever, and then they show you like 117. I'll only show like four pictures here. But uh, so let's go ahead and uh, go to the first one there. Now, um, the uh, director of this assessment was uh, Jill Payne, and she was helped by the coordinator, who was Joyce Erickson, so that's really cool. Uh, so that's a picture of the group, and you go to the next ones. There's a, and then uh, uh, Jason and um, Faith uh, did led worship, and uh, a bunch of us uh, folks came and, and uh, helped with the assessment. They, the assessors were from uh, churches in Illinois, Indiana, and Wisconsin, so it was it was a, a pretty diverse group. And then if you go to the next one, uh, six couples were assessed to plant churches. Um, and they were from Chicago, Detroit, Minneapolis, and the East Coast, uh, I forget the city. Um, the couples went through various exercises related to calling, preaching, marital health, and, and others. Um, and then uh, the, the really cool thing, though, is before uh, those being assessed left, I asked them, so how was your experience here? How did it all work out for you? And without exception, uh, each one of the couples said, it was fantastic. I mean, God blessed them. He granted them clarity and direction, and it was really a, a great experience. So, can we just thank God for, you know, for what for what He's done here? This is this is really cool. Um, I'm just uh, I'm just amazed that uh, that we would in this place um, have the privilege of of doing this first assessment and uh, and and being a little part of that. Um, so there are many other ways that we want to, uh, to help make disciples and plant churches, but I just wanted to share with you that, that one thing that took place. Now we're going to be turning our attention to uh, Nehemiah now. Uh, so we have uh, two books that were originally one. Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah were originally called First and Second Ezra. It's, uh, the two books are written by one author, and they tell the story of restoration, restoration and redemption. You see, uh, the nation of Israel for, uh, had existed, Israel and Judah, for centuries. And, um, but in the end, God handed them over to um, their enemies, and they were completely destroyed. And in particular, the, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, the wall around the city was destroyed, everything. And the people were either killed or exiled. And so that's the setting for the beginning of Ezra and Nehemiah. And then uh, Ezra and Nehemiah tells the story of redemption and rebuilding. So that's what we've been talking about is, is this, this restoration here. Uh, last week, Terry Erickson shared uh, from Ezra or Nehemiah 1 through 7 about the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem. And as he was sharing, uh, he was reminding us of, of, um, of the leadership that Nehemiah exercised there. Uh, in particular, that, uh, that Nehemiah was able to, to cast vision for what needed to play, take place. He was able to build uh, teams for what needed to take place, and he persevered even in the face of fierce opposition. So if you're interested in leadership and you haven't heard that message, I encourage you to do that online. Now, when the wall was complete, guards were posted at the gate, the uh, singers and Levites were placed in the temple, but as chapter 7 notes, there were very few people in the city of Jerusalem itself. People hadn't really moved in. There were just a few folks there. And uh, so the city of Jerusalem had a rebuilt temple. They had a rebuilt wall, but what they needed to have rebuilt now was community. They needed the, the community to be restored. So our message today is about community restored. Now, as I was thinking of the, of the topic of uh, community restoration, I thought of the city of Detroit. 
Anybody been to Detroit recently or any time? You know, uh, does Detroit need to be restored? It needs to be restored. Um, and, uh, and at the time that we were planting Life Spring Community Church, I had a friend, uh, a man that I met at that time, now a friend, uh, named Mike Hanafy, and he was planting in inner city Detroit. And, uh, and he planted inside an abandoned post office. And, and I love the story of, of how he planted there, and, and uh, houses and businesses had been abandoned. It was a rough neighborhood. There's all kinds of, of different stories. Uh, but, uh, but in the end, uh, Mike named the church Restore. It's Restore Church. And uh, one of the planters at our assessment just a couple days ago came from that church, Restore Church in inner city Detroit, and plans to plant another church in Detroit. So really cool. But in the book of Nehemiah, by the time chapter 8 rolls around, we might also call the faith community in Jerusalem Restore restore a community. That's what's needed in this context here. Uh, the wall had been restored to keep out enemies, but who would restore the community? And Jerusalem needed more people to live in the city. They needed people to, that would live in the city that had their hearts dedicated to the Lord. So as we begin the story of community restoration, Nehemiah 8 switches back from Nehemiah, who is sort of the governor, to Ezra the scribe. Now, Ezra began restoring community in the same way my, pastor, my friend Pastor Mike Hanafy restored community with the public reading of Scripture. That was how the this, uh, this story of restoration starts, and here's how it happened. The people gathered as in one person by the, uh, in the square by the water gate, and they were unified. It says literally they, they gathered as one man. Uh, they told Ezra, bring your Bible, bring the Word of God, read it out loud, uh, and they had listened with anticipation. Uh, when Ezra, can you picture this? When Ezra opened the word of God or unrolled the, the scroll, the people stood up immediately shouting, Amen, Amen, which is equivalent of, Yes, yes, let it be so. They're excited. Can you imagine if we did that? Open the Bible. Whoa, everybody stands up and says, Yes, let's try. One of the guys uh, that. One of the guys at the assessment center, one of the assessors, uh, pastors a church uh, in Indianapolis, I'm going to invite him up here. It's a very interactive church. We're not used to that. And I thought, I don't know how this is going to go if I invite him over here to LifeSpring uh, because he'll say something, you know, give me this, and, and, there's, and we're supposed to say something back here. So let's just practice this really quick just so I'm not embarrassed when he comes here and shares. Uh, we're just going to say it together really loud, amen, amen. So I, as soon as I open that, you ready here? Okay, let's try it. Oh, that's awesome. Good job. Okay, I'm sure I won't be embarrassed when he comes. Uh, his name's Norell Taylor. He's, he's in a church down in Indianapolis. So, um, but we might have to practice again. So, uh, so the people gather. They say, Amen, Amen. And, uh, and the word was read. And then people, some of the people started crying. They started weeping. And why were they weeping? Well, the weightiness of their sin both personally and the sin of, of them as a people, uh, in the face of the word of God, there was a disparity. They heard the word of God, what was read, and they realized, oh, we don't match up. And they ju were just crushed by that. But Nehemiah, or I'm sorry, Nehemiah, Ezra, Ezra said, do not weep. This day is holy to the Lord. The reading of God's word is good news, and there's going to be time for confession. But for right now, I want you to celebrate with good food. Share what you have with anyone who hasn't prepared anything. And from Ezra 8.10, says, eat the fat 
and drink sweet wine. What do you think? Eat fat and drink sweet wine. And send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the people celebrated for seven days, and they called this, uh, it came from the Old Testament, it was something they were commanded to do, the Feast of Booths. Now, some of you are thinking that I just said the Feast of Booths, but I did not say the Feast of Booths, I said the Feast of Booths, B-O-O-T-H-S. So I just want to clarify that really quick. Um, so they, they celebrated eating, feasting, and with the public reading of God's word. They came together on the eighth day for corporate confession after all this celebration had occurred. Uh, so what did the people confess? Well, in Nehemiah chapter 9, you can get all the details, but the people confessed, first of all, God's faithfulness to their ancestors. They confessed all the good things that God had done. He had been faithful in creating them. He had sustained them. He had redeemed them. God was good. That was the first thing they confessed. And then they confessed that over the centuries, their ancestors had been unfaithful to God. So God is faithful. We have not been faithful to God. That was where the confession started. They had acted rebelliously towards their creator and redeemer. And do you know that one of the biggest complaints that God had against them and has against us is ungrateful hearts? Not having a thankful heart towards God is not neutral. It's actually an offense against God. And so thankfulness to the Lord glorifies God and it strengthens our hearts. It's actually a good exercise of faith to have a thankful heart towards the Lord. We need to be a thankful people. So in addition to confessing God's faithfulness and their rebelliousness, the people also confessed that their current struggles were a direct result for their past sins. How willing are we to own up to that sometimes? We go, oh, life is such a mess and everything. But if we look on our back trail, we go, oh, actually, I'm responsible for some of this mess. Uh, and that's what they did. So in Nehemiah 10, they made a vow that they would be faithful to God's word as they move forward. So this is astounding. Community is being restored, and how? By the public reading of God's word, by people praying, confessing, and having that immediacy in their relationship with God. Chapter 11 explains that the people don't just talk about their faith, they act on it. So the leaders agree to move into Jerusalem. All the leaders move into Jerusalem, and then one out of every ten from the surrounding communities moves into Jerusalem. And the others come together, and they supply what's needed for the people who are moving into Jerusalem. People are generous. And all this is taking place. They have restored a church right there in Jerusalem. Community is being restored. And I wonder if during that time they had the, the words of 2 Chronicles 7.14 ringing in their ears, uh, you might have heard this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. We need this. Don't we need this? As a nation, as a community, personally, God to turn and heal our land, that we would come together and, and 
just admit the place that we're at right now is a direct result of everything we've done in the past. If, we're, if, if our lives are a mess or the lives as a nation are a mess, we can look on our back trail and see why. And we can confess and say, God is good. And we have sinned and we can ask forgiveness and God will he- turn and heal our land. So can you imagine in this place, maybe just our local community, reading the word of God, praying, and seeing God act in this way, bringing a restoration that we've never seen before, changing the hearts of, of husbands and wives towards each other, the, the, the hearts of children and parents towards one another, repairing relationships, making changes that we need. What would happen if the Spirit of God came on the people of God for the glory of Jesus Christ? And then Nehemiah 13 describes Nehemiah learning that Eliashib, the priest um, in charge of the rooms at the temple, emptied a room that was used to store offerings. It was used to store the the precious things and the holy things of the temple. And he gave it to to, uh, this, this character, Tobiah, one of the enemies of God's people throughout Ezra and Nehemiah. We see this guy's name, he's not a good guy. And Nehemiah also learned that the priests and the Levites, those are the, the uh, people working um, at the temple, were not being compensated or cared for. Many had left their work uh, and re- returned homes because, to their homes because they couldn't afford to stay at the temple. Uh, the Sabbath was being violated and people were intermarrying and Nehemiah was outraged. So all these good things had taken place, but then they learn that some of the people are kind of reverting back to their, their ways. And um, so Nehemiah threw Tobias' things from the temple. He cared for the priests. He restored the Sabbath. Um, he cleansed the temple, rebuked those that are intermarrying. And, um, and we look at this, and then later, centuries later, we see Jesus coming to the temple and doing that very same thing. There's a cleansing that took place. It seems that God's temple continually needs cleansing. Well, this is just an overview of the second half of Nehemiah, and sometimes we enter into Scripture in a very detailed manner, but this time I wanted us to do kind of a flyover so we could see the the broad landscape of what's taking place in Nehemiah because I think it has some direct implication for us today. And uh, so here's the question. Um, What does restoring community mean at LifeSpring? What does restoring community mean for us and our surrounding community. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, the elders went on a retreat. And uh, if you can move us forward a little bit here on the slide. Um, uh, there we go. Um, so this is, anybody seen this before? This is, this is uh, the mission vision. So in the top we have gospel, gather, go. At the bottom we have multiplying disciples and, and uh, planting churches. Uh, so our, that's our mission and our vision. And, and if we made a disciple, we have marks of a disciple. Somebody would be growing in humility. They'd be growing in love. They'd be growing in truth, hope, mission. Uh, these are just things that we see in Scripture. That we didn't make anything up. We just basically said, let's, let's pull some things together out of Scripture that would be helpful for people. But the thing that was missing is what do we do as Christians? What are our commitments as Christians? What do we see in Scripture regarding that? 
And so we as elders, we got together and we kind of wrestled over the wording on all this. And, and uh, if you go to the next slide here, this is what we came up with Christian commitments. Um, so the first one is devoted to prayer. The second one is obeying scripture. And we'll just stop there for a second. Uh, well, uh, the, the, the fourth one down is restoring community. So what we just saw in Nehemiah are the very commitments we're asking ourselves to make here at LifeSpring. We don't believe these are unique commitments. We believe these are commitments for every Christian. This isn't just for this church. This is for Christ's church. And so we believe that if we are devoted to prayer, and we just saw a great model for prayer, that God will hear and answer us. We believe that there's power in, in, the, in the red word of Scripture. If, if Scripture is, is read... There's power in it. If it's expositive, there's power in it. And we may try to read our own thoughts into it, but if we're actively looking to see what God's saying to us in Scripture, there's power there. And that power can restore community. That's amazing. We weren't looking at the book of Nehemiah. We are just looking at Scripture as a whole. But as, as we look through this, we go, oh, my gosh. Now, the people of Ezra and Nehemiah rejoiced as they heard the word of God. They measured their lives against the word of God, and where there was a difference, they trusted the word of God. They didn't just read scripture or study scripture, they obeyed scripture. That's a word that we wrestled with as elders. What should we do with scripture? Should we read scripture? Well, yes, we should, but we have to actually obey it. We have to actually take our lives, measure it with Scripture, and say there, there is actually an arbiter of how I should live, and God has given it to me. And so it wasn't enough to build the temple of God or the wall around Jerusalem. For Jerusalem to be fully restored, the Word of God had to be built into the lives of people. So it's obeying God's word, but it's not an outward performance, but it's something that takes place inside. Now, we don't live in Jerusalem. And even if we lived in Jerusalem, is the temple built in Jerusalem? The temple was destroyed in 70 AD, centuries ago, and it has never been rebuilt. There is one wall left that we call the Wailing Wall, uh, and, and the wall, uh, whatever is left of the wall, is really irrelevant around Jerusalem because we live in an age of missiles and planes, and if there was ever a war fought, that wall would be inconsequential towards any of the, 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 the things that are used now in the military endeavor. Um, but what, where do we see these principles today? So the temple was the place where God's spirit his presence was said to dwell. In fact, in Ezekiel 10, when uh, things are about to go really bad for, uh, for Jerusalem, the, the glory of God, the Spirit of God, actually leaves the temple. Now, we're going to fast forward a little bit because we live in the age of the New Testament. And if we see uh, little uh, glimpses of Jesus in the Old Testament, like the cleansing of the temple, the story of redemption, the story of restoration, but we know more fully what takes place is that Jesus came from the line of David and ultimately uh, did a complete redemption and restoration for us. That's why we call ourselves Christians, little Christs, that when Jesus died on the cross, all of our sins were nailed there together with him 
We bear them no more. And so the sacrifices of the original temple are completely obsolete. We don't kill animals and put their blood all over the place, and we don't do that anymore. There was one final sacrifice through Jesus Christ, and all of our sins were laid there on the cross with him, and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. And so that takes the place of the temple. God's presence is now able to abide in us in the form of his Holy Spirit instead of that temple in Jerusalem. And when we think of the wall, the wall served to protect Jerusalem, but it also served to help them uh, become holy. They were able to, in, that, in the presence of that place, they're able to live in a holy manner because their enemies were kept at bay. But our God is a shield about us, the lifter of our heads, and we can trust him in our protection. Those principles still stand, but they look differently for us as Christians following Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel, another one of our commitments. We want to share that good news. Just as Nehemiah and Ezra were sharing the good news of God's glory and helping to restore that community, this story of the gospel is central to our community. The presence of God's Spirit is what makes it possible. Well, there are a couple um, actions that I'd like us to take as, uh, uh, as Christians uh, in response to this message. And um, one of them is, is more of letting you know something. So this is a transitional year for LifeSpring Community Church. As you know, we're building a place to gather to bless the, the neighborhoods and families and schools uh, in, in Spring Grove, Richmond, the surrounding areas. We want to build a place uh, for, for our community, but also to help restore the surrounding community. This is part of our our vision for restoring community. We want to be active in our community. We want to bless people, and especially we want to bless them with the good news of Jesus Christ. So we're excited about what's taking place here. And, uh, and God has been providing for us many things, resources, leaders, and, and many different ways. Uh, one of the things I want to let you know is that uh, um, Terry and Joyce Erickson, who have come uh, about, uh, about half a year ago now, um, Terry has a background in, uh, uh, at, at uh, InterVarsity. He was a director of evangelism there. He was an uh, outreach pastor over at Lakeland Church. He is now working with the Billy Graham Center. Uh, well, uh, Terry, we're, uh, we're going to be having uh, a vote on this, but we're, we're moving forward with him uh, doing leadership development and, uh, and uh, being pastor of small groups here uh, part-time at LifeSpring. Really excited about that because I believe what we're building here is not just a physical building, we're building the church community. And this is one of the steps that we're taking towards that. So on August 28th, you should mark this date on your calendar, I'd love for you all to be there. We're at 7 p.m. right here. We're going to have what we call a town hall meeting. We usually have a couple songs of worship. It's, we don't, I, I hate the word business meeting, so I never use that, but, but we do uh, the sort of the life of the community of this church, and we talk about those sorts of things at, at this time. And we'll have a vote um, for, uh, for actually a couple very important things there. So if you're a member here, I really need you to be there. Um, We'll be voting on the budget, which is going to talk about the, um, the new church. We'll also be voting on, uh, on um, uh, Terry to become uh, associate pastor here. And we're going to have several other things which we'll uh, talk to you about at that time. But just to really encourage you to be at this very important uh, meeting. And then the other action point is this. Um, this 
is a Christian commitments Bible study. And so all the things we just talked about are in here. And there are several of these in the back. If we run out, we have more. Um, but you can go through this personally for yourself and uh, go through those Christian commitments. There are questions here. There are scripture references. There are ways for you to grow in prayer and, and uh, scripture and sharing the gospel, all of those, those different things that are there. And, uh, and then also, if you are a leadership type and, or you just want to take a risk, can actually start a little group, maybe two or three, or it could be more people, and go through this together, and and just work through them together, have a discussion, and say, let's, how can we grow in community together as Christians as we just dig into the Word of God? So, uh, so those are two things I really encourage uh, all of us to do. I'm going to uh, kind of pray for us, and then we're going to continue this time of worship by celebrating the Lord's Supper. So if you just please bow your heads with me. Um, Father, uh, we're so grateful for the community that took place in Jerusalem, the restoration of community. What a great example to all of us. Uh, it just sort of uh, blows our socks off to think that uh, a, a city that had been completely destroyed was... Um, was restored with you superintending it. And Lord, we know that, uh, that the whole earth is a great big restoration project and, and that you are restoring it through Jesus Christ and, and that all of us are, are, are part of those um, people being restored, but also, Lord, that we are agents of restoration through Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us mightily, that you would fill each man, woman, and child, Lord, uh, with your spirit in order that we might be holy and that we might be bold to share our faith with others, Lord. We pray that you would do that for the glory of your name. Amen.